Hey, and welcome back to Giovanni Andreoli's Movies and More, where I talk about movies and more. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Today, I'm here to talk about the first film that Quentin Tarantino wrote, and that is True Romance. This movie is set in Detroit and follows a lonely pop culture geek who marries a call girl, steals cocaine from her pimp, and tries to sell it in Hollywood. Meanwhile, the owners of the cocaine, the mob, track them down in an attempt to reclaim it. Again, terrible, terrible descriptions. Who writes these? The owners of the cocaine, comma, the mob, comma, okay, yeah, oh, really? It was the mob? Are you sure it wasn't just like uncle jeffrey the nice guy that lives down your block like come on man all right anyway um uh what yeah this is the first episode um that i'm doing as like sort of a capper to my quentin tarantino series there'll be one more after this it's from dusk till dawn and these are what i'm kind of calling my bonus tinos they're not quite tarantino movies they're like tarantino adjacent for instance dusk till dawn he's in um and you know has some behind the scenes involvement of some sort but he obviously uh he, he didn't direct it or anything it's not a quentin tarantino movie proper Neither is this. Uh, this is a Tony Scott movie, but it was written by Quentin Tarantino. And um, I had heard of it and I knew it had, you know, kind of traditional Tarantino-y crime premise. Uh, but I didn't know anything else really about it, uh, except for that Christian Slater was in it. And beyond that, I had no idea. And when I read the description and, you know, tracked it down to watch it for the the podcast series, I was like, oh, okay, okay, this seems pretty cool. Uh, and then I started it, and I was like, holy shit, all of Hollywood is in this. Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, freaking James Gandolfini, the, uh, the other guy, Chris Penn, Tom Sizemore. I was like, is everyone in this movie? Every famous person ever? I was so surprised um and very excited to watch it because i was like well that is an all-star cast uh, what i didn't realize is that the vast majority of them are not in it very much uh they sort of have like guest appearances almost but still that is an insane cast and combined with that premise and the fact that tarantino wrote it and tony scott directed it i was like settling in for a pretty awesome movie and you know what I got one. This is a really good movie, and I think pretty underrated. Not a lot of people, I feel, have heard of this. Uh, it's not very famous, despite having every famous person in it. Uh, it is It is a really cool and creative movie. I think it's very out there in terms of its style and a lot of its uh, characters and dialogue. In particular, its music, that's also a very interesting uh, choice in terms of, uh, in terms of like the stylistic direction that it goes in. But uh, this is a really good movie, and I thought really fun and entertaining to watch the whole way through. Uh, it has a lot of Tarantinoisms right off the bat um, with the classic music. You know, all the needle drops are definitely, I would say, probably at least influenced by him. Um, and the pop culture, like, discussion slash dissection. Elvis plays very heavily into this, as does... Uh, this character's sort of dissection of like his music and and his uh, you know he's got that whole line that he uses on like that girl he tries to pick up on the bar and then later when he meets Patricia Arquette's character he tries the same you know he's got the whole same spiel uh, that that whole exchange that's very Tarantino-ish um, 
I think that the meat cute in this movie is very good. They do a really good job of setting this up as almost a traditional like rom-com. And then when they twist it and she reveals the truth about how her boss or his boss paid her to, to hang out with him because you know, he was worried that he was getting lonely and it was his birthday. And that's kind of, you know, very like a bit of a sad reveal, but they both sort of come to the conclusion that they, had a good time with each other uh, and they would like to spend more time with each other. And I think that was a, that was a cool, like, like set up for a very different kind of movie. And then immediately they twist it around and kind of play with your expectations. I thought that was really good. Um, And then I think that just in terms of the atmosphere and everything surrounding this movie, it is very well directed it really suits this kind of strangely like dark yet light and fun at the same time aesthetic uh that they're going for like the whole movie kind of has a lot of moments where it plays in very dark ideas but they're treated as like uh oh okay well that just happened and and then they kind of just move on and like accept it there's a lot of stuff where they treat really really bad situations as almost commonplace and just like uh funny like the way they're like laughing and like just uh, hanging out with each other and she's like super bleeding and he's like um cleaning her up after the um after that henchman breaks into the hotel and and they have that big fight and stuff and he's trying to figure out where the coke is uh and she's just like bleeding everywhere and her hair's (laughs) all messed up and everything and he's just like you know he's like wiping her face off with like a cotton ball or whatever and they're just like they're just like laughing and joking like a regular couple like this is just a normal thing uh when they go to visit the dad they talk about you know they they like talk about everything that ha- that's happened as if it's totally normal and the dad doesn't really have like a super huge reaction even when the mobsters come to confront him he's just kind of like cool and and, and just ch- chilled out which i also feel like is a very tarantino idea a lot of the the casualness just some really dark aspects of life you know like the mob and and murder and all this stuff which is a very very commonplace in this movie his movies i think reservoir dogs and um pulp fiction in particular they have a lot of scenes where characters just treat this stuff as everyday and kind of monotonous um the characters though in this movie are all really good and uh, i think that they have just such a colorful cast of of people there's a lot of obviously great actors in this movie but they're all playing really fun and uh interesting characters i really like christopher walken as the mob boss in this i really liked sean penn uh, or no chris penn sorry i always get them confused uh sean penn uh, damn it chris penn son of listen one pencil i really liked pencil as uh the the cop guy in this movie uh the 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 assistant dude Elliot I thought he was really good in this as was the producer the, the head producer um that's Bronson Pinchot by the way is Elliot Blitzer the assistant guy and I know him from movies too uh he's not obviously like super famous but when I saw his name I was like holy shit do I know every person in this cast um Brad Pitt is really great in this in like a, a brief sort of ancillary role as is Val Kilmer as the like imaginary elvis that kind of serves as the internal voice for christian slater's character that was a really cool approach i really really liked how they showed his internal monologue and how 
you understand everything that he's thinking and, and like his worries and how he kind of overcomes them. And it's all within his own mind. But the way they show it is so creative where you see Elvis in the background, like when he's looking in the background mirror and everything's kind of dark and shadowed. You never really quite see Elvis's face. You just see him moving around back there and you know uh, exactly who it is. Val Kilmer has a pretty good voice as Elvis and it, it sounds pretty convincing. And I like the whole recurring thing of like, I, I, I like you. Uh, I like you, Clarence. Always have. Always will. That whole thing that he does, it's like, ah, that's so cool. What a creative way to do that. Uh, there's a lot of movies where sometimes when a character has to stop and talk about what they're feeling or what they're thinking, it can feel kind of awkward because it's just an unnatural thing. A lot of the times people don't talk about like their deepest inner thoughts to other people. But in this case, the way they chose to show it, it provides them an amazingly uh, unique way to show his character and what he's going through and they make it like so entertaining. I thought that was a really creative and fun idea. Um, Gary Oldman is also really good in this. I was shocked that that's who that was. I was like, who is this actor? And then I looked it up and I was like, Gary Oldman, what? He disappears into that role. He is a completely different person in this movie. Um, with like the, that little goofy beard and the white person dreads and then the, uh, that's like scar on his face and everything. He disappears and the voice, it's like, oh my God, I completely understand why people were so put off by the decision to cast him as, as a uh, commissioner Gordon in the dark Knight trilogy. I'm reviewing the professional soon and he plays a villain in that too. And if I'm not mistaken, he plays a villain in another Luc Besson movie, The Fifth Element. I'm pretty sure he's a villain in that too. Um, and then this, and there's a, there's a bunch of other movies, but like I see why everyone was like, wait, he's going to be Batman's confidant and the, the head of the Gotham police force? That doesn't seem right. It's like, yeah, no, of course it doesn't seem right because he played really great villains before that. You know, for me, I grew up with the Dark Knight trilogy and that was the defining Gary Oldman role for me. So now it's it's almost the opposite. It's weirder for me now to see him as a villain. I'm like, but, but that's Commissioner Gordon. But, and, and then he's this guy. It's It's so jarring, but it's really cool. He totally disappears to those roles. Um, I really like the score of this movie as well. I think that it's, it's a very out there choice for Hans Zimmer. I never would have expected that this is a Hans Zimmer score. It sounds nothing like his other music, but he does a really good job here. I mean, it sounds super unique. And I said before about how it perfectly achieves that vibe that they were going for. It's, it's out there and it does balance the sort of darker elements with like this weird kind of quasi fairy tale type of thing it's almost like um it's almost like i don't know why i think of this but tangled almost meets um meets like bonnie and clyde kind of because it's got like that that kind of sort sort of dorky bad boy who rescues the the quote-unquote princess from a dire situation and then they're going off and and running away and it does have a lot of fairy tale qualities obviously i'm not directly drawing a ter a uh a correlation between Tangled and this movie. They're obviously very different, but I'm just trying to give an example of like that kind of fairy tale type of meat cute and then storyline, but then also is combined with these like really dark elements and they are criminals on the run trying to do some pretty shady shit. So it's kind of got that Bonnie and Clyde feel to it as well. And I think the music really nails that it's very interesting and it almost sounds kind of Christmassy, but I settled into it as the movie progressed. I thought it was really unique and pretty cool choice. Um, 
And I think that this movie is really good in terms of a writing perspective as well. It is very well written. It hits that essential thing for me about Quentin Tarantino, or yes, Quentin Tarantino, but in, in any good crime movie in general. And it is that everything needs to keep going wrong. This is something that I've been discovering a lot as I've been reading crime comics. And that is you set up a bunch of players and they don't totally interlock at the beginning, but they start to kind of close in and like cross paths as the story progresses. And the essential thing that has to keep happening is mistakes have to keep being made. Stupid things have to keep happening. You know, the characters, like they make a choice where it's like, no, don't do that. But like, oh, I kind of understand why you're doing that. And then it puts them in this bad situation and then this happens. And so then they have to change the plans and then they end up in uh, a spot where they weren't planning on being. And that's when, you know, either the cops get them or the other bad guys get them or whatever it is. Everything just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating. It just keeps getting worse. And that driving force, that writing ethos is so present in this movie. And it is such a great way to write a really good crime epic. I think that this movie hits that perfectly to the point where it all collides at the very end where you you get the cops running in and, and there's a standoff at the cops and then the mobsters run in and there's a standoff at them and then the security guards are and everybody's in a circle guns pointed at each other and you just have these multiple parties who aren't totally sure who everyone is or why they're there but they know that you know that this is my enemy and, and it doesn't matter why they're here we got to figure out a solution to this whole thing it's it's so good it's such a great ending and it's it's really really epic uh, I thought this was a really, really great movie. I enjoyed it a lot, and I would highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it before. If you're down for a kind of out there uh, take on a love story and a crime movie, I think this is a perfect uh, crossroads for that. And this one's this one's just so good. I can't believe I hadn't heard of it or like seen it before. It's it's really, really good. Um, oh, also, I wanted to do a little brief recap of things that I felt like I had learned uh, about all these Tarantino movies now that I've watched all of them. I I didn't, you know, I didn't record these in the right order. So had I had I done them all in the order that I had planned to release them, I think this would kind of maybe work better because From Dust Till Dawn is going to come out on Thursday and you're listening to this on Tuesday. Um, and so you'd think the recap would kind of come at that that one but i hadn't seen everything just because of the way i was balancing like netflix and hbo and prime and library movies and stars movies it's just kind of a mess and so when i could manage to see them i did but it, and that sometimes boiled down to them being out of order so then i recorded out of order so i had stuff to release it's kind of a whole mess but that's why it's not perfectly sequential but I think that one of the major things that I realized is um, he has obviously a knack for really great dialogue, and he knows how to make a movie. They just there's always the love for uh, cinema crammed in there somewhere, no matter what form it takes. And uh, there is a great respect for the craft of filmmaking. Always a lot of unique and and cool touches. And I really appreciated seeing that on, in all of his movies. He has a good uh, a good eye for casting. He has a great knack for writing villain roles. And I think that he is just a, a master of a very specific and off-kilter type of movie. And I really enjoyed watching all of them. I think that he, the... Um, the awfulness and the gore and the violence and these movies are so depraved and terrible and you'll never be the same after you watch them 
that was greatly exaggerated. There's a lot of stuff in this where I feel like you could see worse on cable television. I mean, we've just come a very long way since then, but I think that a lot of this was greatly exaggerated. I mean, the way that some of these movies were sold to me, it was just like, you'll never be the same person and it'll disturb you. And, and it's so awful and it's one of the worst things ever and whatever. It's like, I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's not really that bad. People are definitely greatly exaggerating a lot of this stuff. I feel, um, there are definitely flaws in all of them. I think that there's a lot of stuff that's a little bit outdated in terms of its ideas about race relations and gender roles, and gender, um, or, or, or like, uh, I don't even know. I don't really know. You kind of got to kind of got to watch them all and kind of feel that out. There's a lot of, a lot of N-word uses, which is just a little bit little bit much i would say a lot a bit much especially when it's not a period setting uh and they still find ways to get the white people in particular to say it uh including him i think it's a little bit weird and pretty uncomfortable to watch and that stuff definitely has not aged well i also think that some of his takes on characters uh, they veer a little bit racial stereotypy bruce bruce lee and once about a time in hollywood in particular i was like at first, I was like, oh, no, this, this seems kind of like Bruce Lee that I've seen. And then he's, you know, he starts doing the, oh, oh, oh. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, like, I never met the guy, so maybe that's exactly what he did when he fought. But, like, it seems a little bit much and definitely over-exaggerated to the point where it's like, okay, you maybe could have not done that. Um, so there's parts that are dated. There's parts that I think are uh, pretty flawed and could be uh, cleaned up now. But I think that in terms of the like the mythos of Quentin Tarantino and the reason why everyone worships the ground he walks on, I think there's a lot of good reason for that. He's a filmmaker who's built up a really great body of work. There is so many good movies on his resume. And there's so many reasons to love them and so much in them that I think you can just dissect and learn from for years and just, you know, you're, you're just taking all of it in and it, it serves as a great, uh, great lesson on movie making and the love of movies and, and just a whole lot of things. I think that there's a reason why they're so popular and I, I see why. So I enjoy doing this whole rewatch. And I enjoy doing these little bonus Tinos. They're, it's all pretty cool and pretty fun. So I'm glad I did it. And that's where I'm coming down on it. And I think that could kind of serve as my grateful. Because this is running a lot longer than I expected it to. But kind of wrapping up a really big and important series for this this show. So, you know, it's kind of to be expected. Um, If you enjoy the show, please rate, and review, rate, view, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Five stars is super helpful. After that, you can go ahead and tell a friend if you think they would enjoy the show. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread the word. And then if you want to find links to every episode that's come out so far and everywhere you can listen to it, as well as a whole lot more, you can follow find that at moviesandmorepod.com, which is linked in the description below. So thank you if you've done all that, and thank you in advance if you are going to. But in the meantime, thank you as always for listening. That's the most important thing that you do for me. And yeah, until next time. And all I could think was, you're so cool. Peace.